Hey, you're going to need your Bibles today. So if you don't have one, raise your hand. One of our blue shirts will bring you one. Don't be embarrassed. It's what we have them for. Raise your hand. We'll put one in your hand right now. You can use your device. You need a Bible. We'll give you one. Raise your hand. Yep, a few people. Yep. Don't be afraid. Raise your hand. We're going to be in Romans. It's where we're going. Get your pen out. You're going to need to highlight some things. Romans chapter 1. Here's what the text says. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. Uh, verse 14. I am under obligation both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And I would add gathered at refuge here on Easter. I'm eager to preach the gospel uh, to you here today. Anyone Greek here today? No, so the rest of us are barbarians, so we're in good company. Uh, we preach to both Greek and barbarians. Any, uh, any wise here? So both the wise and the foolish. And so uh, he is preaching it to all of us, me being the chief uh, fool and the chief uh, barbarian. So uh, we're in good company. Here's what verse 16 says. Uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And so the first question right out of the bat is, what is the power of salvation? What is the power of salvation? What is, so Paul, the apostle Paul wrote this book, uh, wrote this letter to the churches at Rome. And so he, this is like the, the coup de grace of, of the gospel uh, uh, accounts or, or the gospel letters that are in the New Testament. And, and so I, I love Romans. We preach through Romans here. But the question that he is saying is, what is the power of God unto salvation? One, it is that God makes you alive. It is God who causes you to be saved. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn to Ephesians 2, and I'm going to read you what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus as he's reiterating this very same thing. He says, and to the church there and to the church here, you were dead in the trespasses in your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul said to the church there, this was all of us. I would say to this church here, this was all of us and is still some of you. Then Paul goes on to the, to the church at Ephesus and he says, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And all the saved people said, amen. Amen. It is not by our own doing. It is not by our own good works. It's not by our uh, attending church. It's not by anything that we do that we become Christians. It is by the grace of God that he rescues us and saves us. He, God is the one who cleanses us from our sin. God is the one who adopts us into his family. Uh, adoption is such a beautiful thing. I think it's, it's a beautiful picture of what God does to you and me. 
He takes someone who is foreign to the family and pursues that person who is foreign to the family and pursues them and brings them into the family and gives them their name. That's what adoption looks like. And the same way God pursues us, finds us, pursues us into his family and adopts us into his family. We get all the rights and privileges of being in the family of God. Amen? So it looks like to be adopted into a regular family and adopted into the family of God. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. If you are born again, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you and me as followers of Jesus. And that it's all because of Good Friday that Jesus died on a cross and praise God for Easter Sunday that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's why it all happens. Jesus defeating death and hell and the grave resurrected from the dead. And Paul says this in verse 16, back in our text uh, in Romans, he says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Does he stop right there? Y'all see? Can you hear? All right, you'll help me if I ask you a question, I do want you to respond. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. Hard stop, right? What What does that screen say up in front of you in red? To everyone who believes, to everyone who believes, this is not just belief with your head that there is a God. It's not belief in your head that there is a Jesus. It is transformational belief that you believe that Jesus lived the sinless life that you cannot live, that he died on the cross, a death that you deserve to die, and that God raised him from the dead. And when you repent of your sins, turn from your sins, put your faith and trust in him alone for salvation, in him alone for righteousness, then you will be saved. And all of that is because of Easter. Easter. Some of you sitting in this room today hear this message or one like it. Sometimes you hear it yearly. Sometimes you hear it somewhat regularly. Or at least you've probably heard that message before. The thing that I just said, for Jesus is the power of God unto salvation. Yet still, you do this. You run your own race. You live your own life. You go on with a godless existence. And some of you maybe even walking here today, mock the message of Easter. And you, my friend, find yourself in some of the same verses. I hope you're still in Romans chapter 1 because we're going to see what that looks like in Romans 1. Look with me at Romans 1 verses 18 through 32. This, the, in my Bible, it says God's wrath on the unrighteous. Look what the text says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, what? Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their righteousness, what? Suppress the truth by your unrighteousness. Listen, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, the scripture says, I'm not making this up. The scripture says that by your unrighteousness, you suppress the truth. For what can be known by God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world. And that things have been made so that they are what? Without excuse. Listen, if you are outside the household of faith, you are not a follower of Jesus today, the scripture says you're without excuse. Without excuse. There's no excuses before the creator that spoke the world into existence. You have no excuse not to know who God is and not to acknowledge God. 
21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became what? Fools. The Bible says that if you don't trust in God, if you don't believe in God, you're a fool. You exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts in their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Exchanged the truth about the living God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Honestly, I think that's where our country's headed today. This, this is not a political message. It's just a flat-out truth from a gospel preacher who reads the scripture, who goes, how, what, how do I encourage people to follow Jesus on the regular, uh, not only in pop culture, but also in conservative areas of society? Sometimes in places of worship, we see things going off the rails contrary to what the scripture says, where now some places invite openly gay people as their pastor, transsexuals into the pulpit, God forbid. And if they are standing in the pulpit, then they have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And those who permit it have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and are propagating a lie to the people who are sitting under their damnable preaching. You may like the way that sounds, but that's the truth. It's happening in pulpits across the, our country today. God help us all. Back to our text, verse 26. For this reason, God that gave them up to dishonorable passions, the same things that are happening in our country today this, that Paul writes about years ago, Hundreds, thousands of years ago, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Preacher, you coming out strong on Easter. Bro, you trying to drive these visitors somewhere else? <laughs> nope, we're just going to preach the Bible here at Refuge. Amen? That's what we're going to do. We're going to preach the gospel and say that you, if you find yourself here, that you have no hope in your own devices, but you do have hope in Jesus. That is where your hope is found. Not in anything that I just talked about. Not in anything that you find yourself immersed in today, but you have hope in the resurrected Jesus. We celebrate, you have hope because of Easter. You have hope. Let's move on to Romans chapter 2. Turn your Bibles. Keep going. Turn to the right. We'll pick up in verse 6. Here Paul says, there are two ways to live. Verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 6. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor as immortality, he will give them eternal life. But... 
Those who are self-seeking and who do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then verse 10, if you were a writer in your Bible, circle the word but. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. When he's talking about the Jew first and also the Greek, he's saying to basically anyone who was a, a, a Jewish and then anyone who was not. And so we fall over in the Greek side, just FYI. He didn't include Americans because they wasn't in America then, okay? But just assume Americans right there. You Greek in this text. Tracking? Say amen. amen. All right, good. All right, let's keep moving forward. Chapter 3, keep turning to the right. You might say, preacher, you don't know me. My first time here. You coming at me, bro. My first time here. I live a pretty good life. I'm pretty righteous. I'm pretty straight up in my book. Well, let's see what Paul says and what the Bible says. Uh, Romans chapter 3. Here's what it says. None is righteous. No, not one. This is verse 11. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. Verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Well, the dude who wrote this pastor doesn't know me. This is a long time ago. This is some dude from a few thousand years ago. He doesn't know me, and you don't either. How can you say this about me, preacher? I just walked in for the first time. Glad you asked. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all, say all. all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'll just include all of us. And that puts you in that boat too. And me, the preacher. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and then if you've got your Bibles open to this text in chapter 3, uh, Paul then preaches the gospel once he declares and people understand that literally everyone has fallen short. If you're here and you're like, man, I ain't coming back to church because Brother Scott is after me today. Well, I'm just telling you, we're all in your seat at some point. We all sat in your seat. We were all in your shoes at one point. And so we, some of us have heard the gospel, and we want you to hear the gospel today. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So listen closely, everyone, because this is for all of us today. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And these same people who have fallen short of the glory of God, look around and say, all of us. All of us. Look at somebody else besides me. And say, you too. Yeah, you too. Husbands, quit looking at your wives. Wives, quit looking over at your husbands and giving them one of these. All of us are justified only by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so these next verses explain this. Verse 25. Whom God put forward as a propitiation. That's a $10 word that just means satisfies God. Okay? So God put Jesus forward as someone who could satisfy himself for the sins of the world. 
by his blood to be, to be received by faith. I mean, it's not something that is visual, but it's something that you receive by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, his patience, his self-control, his restraint, his tolerance, for by his patience, he has passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So justified in this is where we all want to be standing at some point in our life. Justified is to be for you and me to be right with God. I know Adrian Rogers used to say, it's just as if I had never sinned. To be justified is to be just as if I had never sinned. So we want to be justified, and that happens by trusting in Jesus, his sinless life, his substitutionary death on the cross, and him being raised. It's why we celebrate Easter, uh, the glorious resurrection of Jesus. And by, the, by Jesus' resurrection, that is the thing that holds Christianity together. It is, we've talked about the capstone of Christianity. The capstone is something that holds one of those archways together, and it's like the stone at the very top. And if you pull that stone out, we just talked about this a few weeks ago, what happens? The whole thing collapses. And if Jesus is not raised, then we are, most, we are of all people most miserable. You should get up and go do something else. Don't waste your time here. But the fact is, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And it's first of utmost importance that you hear this message today. This message of Easter. This message of Easter is all about that capstone of Christianity, the thing that holds it all together. Each of us has hope for eternal life because of Easter. Yes, even you who Paul wrote about, that I just described, you have hope because of Easter. You have hope of eternal life because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If Huge if, if you're willing to turn from your sinful lifestyle, repent of your sins, go, I know that I've sinned against a holy and righteous God and embrace the resurrected Jesus. That's the calling for you who are outside the household of faith. You who have walked in here, who claim not to be Christians, who may even be hostile to Christianity, who wish you weren't here today, I'm speaking to you. And I'm speaking to you, church people who have done this before and have just gone through the motions. I'm probably speaking to you too. That it's all about repenting of our sins and believing the good news of the gospel that Jesus rescues sinners like you and me. And so let me say a word to those who claim to be followers of Jesus. Listen, especially you who might be immersed in some some middle ground or just immersed in some ongoing sin and maybe even some godless activities. Romans chapter six says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, by no means. We say this a lot, refuge. Where sin abounds, what? Grace much more abounds. Paul will end up saying that eventually later in Romans. But Paul says here clearly some questions that you might be asking. So if, if, are we to continue in sin just so that the grace of God may cover our sin? It will cover your sin. But Paul says, of course not. We shouldn't continue in sin and just assume on the kindness and the grace of God. Being a saved or being a Christian does not give us a license to sin. Paul reminds us of that right here in this verse in chapter, sin, chapter 6. Ongoing, 
unrepentant sin by anyone, any of you, me, ongoing unrepentant sin, those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, flies in the face of the kindness of God, especially as we are celebrating it here at Easter. And so if this is you today, deeply immersed in some type of sin that you think nobody knows about, deeply immersed in some sin that you uh, who call yourself a follower of Jesus, I urge you to repent of that sin. Repent of that ongoing sin. Confess your sin to God and maybe even to the person you sinned against. Trust that God will forgive you because of his kindness through the saving grace of the sinless life of Jesus and the resurrected Jesus. There's hope for you. You don't have to keep hiding you don't have to keep living in the shadows. You don't have to keep hoping that somebody might find you out. God already knows your sin. Confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, preacher, should I be worried too? I mean, I sin, but I'm a Christian. I mean, I do follow Jesus. I confess my sins to God. But I sin even though I don't want to sin. Well, I'm glad you're here today because that's probably a lot of us. Here's what Romans chapter 7 has to say. Paul says this, verse 18. Keep turning your Bibles. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Scroll. Quick, what you must scroll, scroll quickly. Verse 18, chapter 7. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, is, is it, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You ever ask that question? Christian, do you ever ask that question? I keep on doing the stuff that I don't want to do. And the stuff that I don't want to do, I keep doing it. Anybody, just, just me? I don't want to do that stuff. And I find myself right in the middle of it. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Where is my help? Who will help me? What does verse 25 say? Thanks be to God. Come on, say it with me. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then verse, chapter 8, verse 1. There's therefore now what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Say this with me. There's therefore now what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know, listen, I ain't always been a pastor. I was a fraternity boy. Look, I've lived it all, done it all, seen it all. Probably immersed in some of the very same sins that you find yourself immersed in today. Back to Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved me, made me alive in Christ Jesus, rescued me from my sin. He will do the same thing for you. And whenever we are in Christ, verse 8, I mean, chapter 8, verse 1, it's true, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't you like to live a life of no condemnation? Wouldn't you like to be free and set free from your sin today? This is the key. 
This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus lived the sinless life that you and I cannot live. This is why Jesus died on the cross to cover mine and your sin debt. It's great. This is why Jesus rose from the dead. It's why we celebrate Easter. So that you and I can be in Christ. So that you and I can be forgiven. Listen, church. Jesus' death on the cross satisfied his father. He satisfied his father's wrath against the sinful mankind. Satisfied the, your sinful life, Jesus' death on the cross satisfied the father. It took the spotless lamb of God, the God-man, to live the life that you cannot live, die the death that you deserve, and then God raised him from the dead. He hung on a cross, shedding his blood. Scripture says the blood of bulls and goats doesn't forgive our sins. All the Old Testament sacrifices, that, that didn't mean anything. It was just pointing forward. It's just a sign pointing forward to the spotless lamb of God, Jesus, who would, who would lay down his life and cover your sin debt. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then uh, those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He's like, all those people who claim to be Christians, if Christ is not raised from the dead, they're just dead in their casket somewhere. They just, they just, they dead, they gone. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to most to be pitied. This is all we got, and there's no hope past eternal life, but, but, but past this life, we, and we claim that there's something else, then people should pity us. But here's Easter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so that means for, for anyone who is born, anyone who is breathing, anyone who is listening to me right now, anyone who is sitting in this room, we are all in Adam because we were born of flesh. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So if you are in Christ, if you have trusted in Jesus alone for, his, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you have been made alive as well. If you are trusting solely in your own goodness and you believe you're one of these people, you know what that is? Latest dance move. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know what this is? This is for those of you who believe at the end of your life, you're going to say, I've done more good than bad. I think God's going to weigh me on a scale, and I've done pretty good. I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't done other bad things, and I've done some good stuff, and I think that the scales are probably just going to tip enough in my side that God's going to be like, oh, come on. Not the way it works. Not the way it works. If you're depending in your own goodness to be right with God, you are still in Adam. And what did that verse just say? For as in Adam, all what? Die. For as in Adam, all die. You are dead in your sins outside the household of faith. And such were some of us here, right? Some of us were in Adam. And some of you are still in Adam. You are still in in your sin.
And so this is the key, to be in Christ. To be in Christ. Those who turn your life from sin, those of you who are without God and turn to Jesus, those who turn to Christ and be made alive. Listen to me in this. Everyone Christian, non-Christian, the gospel doesn't call us just from sin or just from things like sin and death and destruction. It doesn't just call us from that. It calls us to things. It calls us to a relationship with God. It calls us to life and to live a life abundantly. It calls us to others. It calls us to the church. It calls us to being part of his kingdom. It calls us to hope. It calls us to freedom. It calls us to peace and victory, to have a purpose and a mission, and to never look back and confidently with hope to go forward in this life knowing that to live is Christ and to die is gain. That to shed this body someday as each of us will. You will shed this body one day in death. And my hope, our desperate hope for you on this Easter is that you will shed this body being in Christ. Because to be absent from your body will to be present with the Lord. That is our desire for each of you today. But some of you, listen, some of you are still back in Romans chapter 1. Remember that terrible picture that Paul painted that I spoke to us about the terrible picture about how some of us are still in our sin? And so none of this, if you're still in that place, if you're still in the place of Romans 1, none of this is yours yet. And our fervent hope for you today is this. Say it, preacher. What is it, preacher? Tell me, preacher. What is the hope today? I want all these things to be yours. A relationship with God. To be forgiven of your sins. To find hope that is found in only Jesus. To know that to step from this life is to step into the next life with Jesus. To not live under the condemnation of the creator. There's goodness and mercy found in the resurrection of Jesus. There's goodness and mercy for you to be found in the resurrection, to be found this Easter. Goodness and mercy. The power of the blood of Jesus. Today, I urgently encourage you to repent of your sins. That means to turn from your sins, not continuing to indulge yourself in your sinful activities. Believe the gospel. This is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came, took on flesh, just like you and me was born of a virgin. Literally, he was a baby. He was fully dependent on his mother to feed him, to change him, to nurture him, to help him grow, to bring him food, to change his diaper, whatever they wore back then. Do all those things. He came and became fully man. He was tempted in every way, just like you, just like me, tempted in every way, yet he did it without any sin. 
The scripture says that, that he, he laid his life down for you and me. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. See, the Romans, if you know anything about the crucifixion, anything about Good Friday, the Romans crucified Jesus, but Jesus told them, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down for my sheep. My sheep hear me. They know my voice. He said, I'm laying my life down for my sheep. And then three days later, the glorious resurrection is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. The fact that Jesus came, overcame death and hell and the grave. Jesus making all things new in you and me. Part of that can be for you who are outside the household of faith today. Tim Keller says this, I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. You and I are so flawed, so sinful, dead in our sins, that Jesus had to do this. There was no other way. The God-man, the sinless God-man, Jesus had to die for me, yet you are so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the very reason we celebrate Easter, there's grace, mercy, forgiveness, salvation, redemption, reconciliation with a holy and righteous God, justification to be in right standing with God, righteousness that you may have thought you never could and you will never obtain on your own, freedom from your sin, a new life when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you and that's what happens whenever you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus and you become a Christian, you are indwelled with God the Holy Spirit. He brings compassion to your life, peace, joy, love, hope, strength, rest, and eternal life. How, preacher? How does this happen? Tell me, preacher. Repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. Believe the gospel. This Easter Sunday can be your day of salvation, your day to be born again. Je listen, listen, last thing. Jesus did not rise from the dead to make you a good person. He didn't rise from the dead to make you a good person. Jesus rose from the dead to give you eternal life, abundant life that only comes through trusting in him. Today, Every follower of Jesus in here today would urge you to do this. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. On this Easter Sunday in 2023, come to Jesus. Let's pray.